Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program, coming to you from the studios at the Coming Home Network International. Uh, Thank you for joining us on this new series of Deep in Scripture programs. Uh, We're calling them Memorable Verses, and I'm inviting guests to join me uh, so that we can uh, discuss scriptures that have been very important in our lives. And in that way, we believe that they ought to be memorized. And in some ways, it's because, by God's grace and mercy, we memorized them long ago. They've had such a big impact on our lives. And so now we want to share them. And uh, I've invited Ken Hensley, who's a co-worker with me here at the Coming Home Network, to join me today. Hello, Ken. Hello there. Good to be here. I feel like I have to talk loud since you're way out in California and I'm back here in Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. But it's good to have you join us. Ken is, uh, for those of you who don't know this, if you've been reading any of the Coming Home Network newsletters, you've read some of Ken's articles, gone to the website, you'll run across Ken's stuff all the time. Of course, he's been a well-known apologist and speaker for a number of years. And um, it's Ken and your former Baptist minister. So it's good to have you here. We both share some similar backgrounds, both as clergy converts. And you know, with the Anglicans, who come into the church, talk about their patrimony, if you will, uh, which is the foundation for the Anglican ordinariate. I think evangelicals particularly have a patrimony, uh, and that comes down to uh, a study and a love for and a memorization of Scripture. And if you will, that's what the, the basis for this program is, for us to share some ideas. For those of you that have not joined us before, the format of this Deep in Scripture is my guest and I have come prepared with Scripture, each a Scripture that is important to us that, that we've memorized and we want to talk about. But neither of us know what Scriptures we've brought. <laughs> so I'll begin by sharing the verse that I've selected for today, and then I'll talk about why it's important to me, why it has been important to me, why I think we ought to memorize it, know it. And then, Ken, you and I will take some time also talking about that verse so you can share mm-hmm. how that verse may have affected your life. And then we're done um, milking my verse dry. Then we'll, I'll turn it over to you. You'll share your verse, why it was important to you, and then we'll talk about it. And then we'll end the program com- bringing those two verses together and see how they serendipitously fit together, especially in terms of a walk, a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. All right. So now I will say, uh, every time I get ready for this program, I I start pulling my hair out, not because I can't think of a verse to share, but because there in fact are so many. And anyone, and Ken, I'm sure you affirm this, anyone who for a good part of their life, has loved to read Scripture, study Scripture, pray Scripture. And especially if we have, by grace, felt the freedom to write in our Bibles and underline. And it gets to the point where after a while, and especially in the New Testament, you have more verses underlined than not. And so where do you start? Because there are so many key verses. That's the, To me, that's the, the fun of this program. So I struggled this whole week wondering what verse I'd throw at you. 
And, uh, and I've come to one that I just keep coming back to. And, and sometimes it's the simplest, shortest verses that can almost have the most profundity. Kind of like in science, the most profound scientific theorems are the simple and the beautiful. E equals MC squared. PV equals NRT. You know, these little simple statements. Um, and so the verse I've chosen today, which I've had memorized for over 45 years, I must have said a gazillion times. It's easy to remember where it's from. It's John 3.30. John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. I remember um, when I had my adult awakening to Christ when I was 21, and that's when I I learned the, the verse that became my life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But right along with that, the pastor that encouraged me to read Scripture every day, which by his encouragement I've, by God's mercy, have done ever since, um, I remember coming across this verse, and it's profound. Um, he must increase, but I must decrease. And it's John the Baptist speaking. And <clears throat> I'm just going to, I'll talk briefly, Ken, and then I'll, I'll open it up to you. Because what I have found in this simple, profound, beautiful, if you will, almost formula, he must increase, but I must decrease. I have found that over my life, it's taken on much different meanings and has become more profound as I've got older. Um, when I was a young youth minister, music minister, when I thought my life was going to be in music, this verse reminded me that it wasn't about me, the music, all of that. It was about Jesus. When I was a minister and getting into the pulpit every Sunday, I'm sure you can relate to this, Ken, I had written across the the pulpit, that other scripture, when the Greeks want to see Jesus and they say, mm -hmm. we will see Jesus. It yeah. was there. Always remind us that when we get in front of those people, it's not about us, it's about him. Um, and then as I've gotten mm -hmm. older and become a Catholic, and then God seems to open up more and more doors for ministry in ways I never imagined, radio and television, all the stuff we're doing, can you do too? This verse is a constant reminder. It's about mm -hmm. him, not about us. But it's taken on a more profound perspective for me, Ken, and, and I think you will relate to this, though not as much as me, because you're not as much of an old crotchy guy as I am. You're getting close, but you're not as... And, and the context of this verse, let me talk about it a little bit, is I found profound in a way that I hadn't <coughs> thought of before. And let me read that, and then, Ken, I, I want to ask you for your thoughts. Because in verse 25 of chapter 3, uh, John the Apostle describes the story. And it says, Now a discussion arose between John's John the Baptist's disciples and a Jew over purifying. This would have been a Jewish leader in John and his disciples. And they, they came to John with this question and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you bore witness, here he is baptizing and all are going to him. 
And this represents a major shift in John the Baptist's life. Up until then, he was doing his ministry. He was out there baptizing. He was always, always pointing ahead to the Messiah who was coming. So John was active and doing it all, Mm -hmm. but pointing ahead. But everything changed when Jesus arrived. And when Mm -hmm. Jesus arrived, now all of a sudden, it isn't just John pointing to this future Jesus. He's telling everybody, leave me and follow him. And then the reality is that happens. They're going to him. That's what they said. Mm -hmm. Hey, they're not following you anymore. They're following him. Mm -hmm. And John answers another profound verse. No one can receive anything except what is given him from heaven. In other words, words, everything we have is from God. Everything's Mm -hmm. from God. Everything. Whatever fame we have, whatever opportunities, they're all from God. And that's what John tells the guys. Hey, guys, anything that I did was of him. And then he says, you yourselves bear me witness that I said, remember guys, I said this, that I am not the Christ, but I have been sent Mm -hmm. before him. And then here's this profound thing. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now full. And he's saying from now on, he mm-hmm. must increase, and I must decrease. And to me, that speaks of what happens when we retire, when we slow down, when we see all the young bucks out there getting more, t- you know what I'm saying? They're the writers, they're mm-hmm. the speakers, they got the stuff. And part of our job, even when our children are not focused on us anymore, they're doing their mm-hmm. own lives. Mm-hmm. So now for us, it's a joy to be able to say, it's not about us, it's about them. Your thoughts? That's great. Oh, there's so many already. <laughs> um, of course, you didn't tell me what your verse was going to be, right. so this is off shooting from the hip. But for first, a, a couple of things that might s- seem incidental to the main point that I want to make, and that, and that is that um, John's humility, John the Baptist, his, his, his humility and his holiness uh, comes through in those passages you read. and uh, Because remember when Jesus is standing before Pilate and Pilate says, don't you know that I have the authority to release you or to have you crucified? Jesus responds with the same idea. He says, you could have nothing if it were not given to you from heaven. So here, here, here's John. He thinks just like our Lord thinks. Yeah. I mean, that that's his natural mode of thinking. That's how holy he's become. To where he just says, look, you know, if he has it, it comes from heaven. Whoever has it, you know, <laughs> you know. So that kind of jumped out at me from the from the passage. But um, but the main thought, yeah, I, I, that verse, he must increase, I must decrease, just sort of encapsulates the whole thing, the, the whole shooting match of sanctification of our growth and holiness. Because I, you know, going back to Genesis chapter one and kind of, I think, okay, God created. Me, you know, you, God creates us in his image and likeness. But because of sin, this image is all out of whack. It's all distorted. You know, I, I've used, when I was teaching youth, when I was a youth pastor, I would use the, the illustration of a funhouse mirror. And I'd say, you know, when you stand in front of a funhouse mirror, you can tell that it's you. 
it's you, but it's not, but it's, but it's all out of whack. You're either stretched, you know, way up here or you're all squat and smashed down. And I said, in a way, that's an illustration of what sin has done to us, that, that the image of God is still there, but, it, but, but it's all distorted. You know, it's all, um, anyway, it's, it's, it's misshapen. And, and when we come to Christ and we are forgiven for the sins that we've committed, original sin is washed away. I will, uh, Ezekiel 36, I will take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God gives us a heart of flesh, takes out our heart of stone, gives us the Holy Spirit that will move us, Ezekiel said, to keep God's commandments. And this process begins of, of being remolded back into the image, the perfect image of God, you know, the image and likeness of God. But, you know, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But, but it'll be Marcus Grodi in the image of God, not exactly the same as Ken Hensley, not, not the same as John Mark. But but so that's the whole process of sanctification. And when I think of that verse you you, you chose, you know, that's just another way of saying it because he must increase. You could You could interpret that as, I need to be remolded into the image of Christ. He must increase in me and I must decrease. And I can see too about why it becomes more profound because when you're young, you know, you might respond like, well, hey, what's wrong with me? I'm pretty cool the way I am. But as you learn more about yourself and as time goes by and the years go by, you, you begin to see um, at ever more deep levels how much you need to yeah, be changed. Yeah, like E equals MC squared, this... This is almost the perfect formula behind everything yeah. else of the Christian life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it really it's there. Yeah. It, it connects, as you said, it connects with the whole idea of sanctification, even justification. Everything yeah. is is in this. I think about the uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. Um, when we will stand before God ourselves and go through the judgment and those that have lived out their faith in love are the sheep and those that have not are the goats and if you will when we when anybody says well when did i do this when did i see you jesus and he says well whatever you did to the least of these you did it to me so in that mm-hmm. sense he mm-hmm. must increase i must decrease also if you will, is the formula for our our almsgiving. In other words, mm-hmm. we let go and mm-hmm. give it to Christ when we mm-hmm. take care of the poor, when when we give to our children for their benefit, when we take care of our family, when we we give of ourselves, in a way it's letting go. Mm-hmm. And so it's I must decrease. Well, he must you, made a, you made a wonderful point about how this formula is, is true even on a natural level, that that as you get older and you well, you, you have children, and then it becomes about them. Yeah. You know, you were the star of the show when you were 18, 19, 20, 22. It was all about you. It was all about me and my talents and my whatever, you know, my career, my desires. And then you get married and you have children, and then it, it becomes about them. And, and then when you have grandchildren, it even goes into a higher gear, I notice, where, you know, like I think about my kids, my grandkids, some of them wanting to learn how to play guitar and things like that, you know. 
you know, um, you know, I could say to them, I've been playing guitar forever. Let me show you everything. But they're, they have a little bit of an attitude of, wait, grandpa, I'm the one playing guitar. You know, I'm going to, you know, you know, so it, it, it's really true that, true that in life there is a sort of stepping aside and the ultimate stepping aside is when you close your eyes in death, you just yeah. step aside. You're out there near Hollywood and there's sadly many, many examples of, of old Hollywood stars that are no longer uh, yeah. as popular, but they want to be. And so they, they can't you know, give up the, They yeah. can't keep, you know, so that, that old Phyllis Gil- Diller joke about she's had so many facelifts her shoes fall off. You know, I mean, they, they keep trying to look like they were. They keep trying to have the fame. They keep trying to, they don't want to let go of that. And, but John, the uh, Baptist is mm-hmm. talking about is the opposite of that, that there will come a time in our lives when we aren't in front and we aren't on top. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what he says is, just before that, therefore this joy of mine is now full. That's mm-hmm. where our joy comes from is accepting that, is accepting that simplicity. I've jokingly said, as I get older, my goal now is not only to be a better father and a better husband, a better grandfather, but is to live out all those things I've been teaching for the last 45 years. Had had the audacity to tell everybody else. (laughs) Now it's about me living them out. And I think that's all in that wonderful verse. John 3.30, everybody, I encourage you to, to uh, to reflect on that and uh, memorize it so it's always there always to think about it's amazing how when that verse is always there the holy spirit can bring it to mind at important times it's not about me mm-hmm. it's about jesus all right ken what what's your well, verse throwdown for the day <laughs> well people are going to people are going to think we planned this <laughs> when you ended up quoting um those final words of john that his joy now is full um, it, it, this was hard for me too, but for a different reason, I've, I've memorized the entire Bible. And so it's just hard for me. No, no not really. Uh, um, my verse is Psalm 10. I mean, Psalm 16 verse 11. Okay. And I'm going to read it cause this is another translation. Sure. Psalm 16 verse 11. Thou dost show me the path of life in thy presence. There is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm. Okay. Thou hast shown me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, verse 11. Now, this verse became important to me. I would think, I, I think when I was in seminary, I was sitting in um, one of my classes in seminary when one of my professors one day started quoting Blaise Pascal from the Ponces, from his book, The Thoughts, or Ponces, Thoughts. And the passage he was quoting is such an interesting passage where, where Pascal said, all men seek happiness, there are no exceptions. He says, How, however different the means they may employ, they all strive toward this same end. And then he said, even the man who hangs himself is seeking happiness. Yeah. He's thinking there's something better on, on the other side. And then he goes on, Pascal goes on to say, but, but apart from faith in God, no one has been able to find it. And he says, the rich, the poor, everyone complains 
kings, commoners, wise, unwise, rich, poor, stupid, you know, the whoever, everyone complains. He says, everyone is unhappy and everyone strives to fill this longing for happiness with created things. And, and then he, he goes into this long list. It's quite funny because he says, you know, trying to fill, fill, fill the vacuum with, with money, with, uh, with, with turnips. I think he includes turnips in his list. But, <laughs> but, and, and then he wraps it up by saying, I, I'm, I'm wildly paraphrasing, but he wraps it up by saying, but this is all impossible because the infinite abyss within us can only be filled by an infinite object. That is by God himself. Okay, now, when I heard that passage from Pascal in seminary, I remember it just, it struck me, and I've, I've never forgotten that passage, and I've read it and quoted it a million times too, because I, because I thought, what he's saying is inescapable. I have, in everything I've done my entire life, I'm seeking happiness. You know, meant in the deep sense, fulfillment, satisfaction, that's just what I've been seeking. And I am by nature, I realized, you know, an, an idolater. You know, I can seek happiness in anything. I, I've, I seek happiness in objects and money and relationships and beauty and nature, whatever. I can make an idol out of anything. And what Pascal is saying here just cuts right to the core because he's, he's saying, Ken, uh, no matter what you have, it is not what you want. That's not what you want. What you want is God to be in loving relationship with your father, to be molded back into his image, to be with God. God is what you're really seeking. Okay. And so this passage in thy presence, there is fullness of joy in thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. And the thing that hits me is this is the person writing. This is a rich King. It's David who in a, in an earthly sense, I think just about had everything you would want. I mean, he's got fame. He's, he's courageous. He has a good character that is renowned throughout the kingdom. He's a king. He's got all the money he would want, gold and silver piled up. He's got servants galore. He's got wives. He's got, he's got everything, anything that you want on earth, he has. And yet he's the one who says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. And, you know, he's the one who says those other things, like as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. He's always talking about how he seeks God, you know, as though he's in a dry and thirsty land. So the way that this verse has helped me to kind of cut to the bottom line is it has set this, um, this little kernel of truth in my mind that I can never escape. And that is, as much as I'm tempted throughout my whole life, oh, well, if I can get that, I'll be a happy person, you know. If I get the right job, or if I get enough money, or if, oh, that's a nice car, if I can have that car, or a guitar, because I'm a guitarist, or whatever. Whenever I'm doing that, and I've done that a lot, because I, I, I've done that a lot in my life, I always had this voice just deep inside the voice of this verse here, the voice of Blaise Pascal saying, Ken, the infinite abyss within will never be filled by anything in, in the created world. It's God you're seeking. So we'll go ahead and launch I, with oh, it. Oh, that's awesome, Ken. I, um, I've often thought when you see people in our, in our world who 
on the one hand, um, have rejected God or don't consider him a important part of their life, yet their lives are full of enthusiastic endeavors to save the world, to save the spotted owl, to, to do all these things. And I've always seen that as evidence of what you're talking about, is that we all have within us this desire Mm-hmm. To fulfill, we've been, we've been created in the image of God, to imitate him, to have that union with him. We mm-hmm. desire to save for the sake of God. But if you don't have God guiding that, you fill that with all kinds of false gospels. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it gives people great meaning. You know, like the the, the group out in, in Maine when a truck full of live lobsters got in an accident and, and was and the whole truck full of live lobsters was destroyed and they were so disturbed that they wanted to put up a monument along that highway to remember those lobsters that passed in that accident <laughs> well you know i mean god bless them but i mean they're filling that void with something but yeah, it's yeah, it's misguided yeah. It's it, it's not the fullness. It's not the truth. They're trying to find joy, maybe well-meaning, mm-hmm. because they know joy is involved with filling that void that they have within them to do something of great meaning in this life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they know – because they are the image of God, because they are, they know that, that there's something transcendent going on. There's something that is supposed to be meaningful. They know that, and they're and they're after it. But now, let me flip it the other direction because this is something else that has come to me from this line of thought. Um, you know, I know that there there is light in all of the world's religions uh, uh, to one degree or another, and there are some great moral principles that are taught by the Buddhist faith, for instance. But at the heart of Buddhism, I mean, the very essence of Buddhism, and I was reminded of this just the other night watching a documentary with my wife, Tina, on about India. And they were talking about the Buddhist. And, um, at the heart of Buddhism was this idea. We suffer. The world is filled with suffering. And we suffer because we desire. Okay, We, we, we want. We desire. And because we desire and we, and we can't be fulfilled, we suffer. And so his answer was, put to death desire, put desire to death. So in other words, kill the desire that is in you through, you know, meditation, what, whatnot. And if you can reach this place where you no longer desire anything, then you will, then you'll be fine because then suffering will be gone as well. And, and the realization that Christianity is the absolute reverse. Christianity is saying, this desire that you feel inside of you is natural. It's been put there by God. No, you don't want to kill it. You want to direct it to God for fulfillment. You, you want to you want to go to God. So these people you're talking about, I mean, at least thankfully, they're not trying to kill their desire. They're not devoting their life to trying to kill it. Instead, they're seeking to fulfill it, but they're but they're seeking in places. Um, well, and and we're right now remote. we are driven by a culture that. A lot of people pushing for more tolerance and all kinds of areas mm-hmm. that are they're trying to fill this void inside. But now they're totally, in my view, yeah. misguided yeah. in hyper tolerance that's not based on morality. It's it's a it's a twisting of morality. 
Yeah. Um, and they, they, they convince themselves that this is the loving thing to do. But, um, you know, I was thinking whenever our Lord would gather with his apostles, you know, we read the scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, a gospel account, but we may forget the fact that his culture, Jesus and his apostles, knew the Psalms mm-hmm. by heart. You know, they knew the the, the word. Uh, so when he would say something, you could almost always see that what he was saying was a commentary or an expansion or an expounding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on their understanding of Scripture. And it made me mm-hmm. think of John 15, of the words where our Lord says, I am the vine, my Father's the vine dresser, and he goes down that long list, abide mm-hmm. in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Uh, unless it abides in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. He goes down, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will. By this my Father is glorified. He goes through all of that. And what does he end that with? These things I have spoken to you, why? That my joy, yeah, my joy might be in you, and that your joy may be full. He's expounding on the very verse you've talked about. Yeah, and, and, and think about this, Marcus. Often we hear... Maybe not often, but we hear, oh, you should not think about what you're going to get out of it. You should follow God out of a sense of duty. Duty is the highest thing. You should not think about that. Well, when I read the Gospels, then why is Jesus standing up on the last greatest day of the feast and saying, if you're thirsty, come to me? You know, why is he saying, I I, I say these things so that your joy may be full? Why is he saying, if you're hungry, come to me? You know, Jesus is not saying, Ever come to me because it's the right thing to do. Come to me because, uh, you know, out of a sense of duty, that's the highest motive you can possibly have. And I remember one author said one time, you know, when you come home, when I used to come home from work, when I, when, when my kids were little, and if my son would see me getting out of the car, he would run down the street and jump up into my arms, you know, daddy's home. He'd be so excited. And someone said one time, you know, uh, would you prefer it if he said, if you asked him, son, why are you jumping up, up into my arms? Would you prefer it if he said, well, it's duty, it's, you know, it's my duty because you're my father and I'm your son, you know, and it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. Or would you prefer him to be jumping into your arms because he just, because he wants to so badly because it's his joy. And anyway, that, that that's taught me a deep lesson too. I, I am not to follow God, quote unquote, because it's the right thing to do. I follow God because he's implanted in me a, a desire that can only be fulfilled by him because I, because I want him. Well, and that's, if go back to my verse for just a little bit. Connect it's time together. Well, we can a little bit. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah okay. we could. I, um, let's do that. Uh, see how they fit. I mean, one, it makes me want to give a corrective to, to my, not my verse, but John the Baptist statement, he must increase, I must decrease. You know, as you were alluding to, that doesn't mean a doormat Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's all about him, and, and I'm just here. You know, I'm groveling. And, and the more I increase Jesus, and I'm less and less to nothing. That's not what he meant. Um, it's, it, it is an expression of great contentment and gratitude because of what he has done. As he said, you know, everything I have is from him. And it, it, you know, it comes a time in our life when we accept uh, 
a back seat. There's a, a parable our Lord says when you go to the wedding feast, don't take the front row seat. Because mm-hmm. some might say, hey, you're not supposed to be here. What do you do? You choose the back row. Um, and it's, it's accepting what? the growth in humility is really what that's about. It's well, you not, know what? I th- Go ahead. Well, I, I think that's so interesting because I, I don't even know if I can say it, but I don't see I don't see it as a corrective to to what you were saying about John the Baptist, because I mean, it is because as OK, because as he increases and I, my pride, you know, decreases, my joy increases, um, my fulfillment increases as being what God really created me to be. So it's kind of like, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a paradox or what, what it is, but, but, but it's all one thing. As he increases and I decrease, I'm becoming more and more what I really want and will, be, and, and will find pleasure in forever and ever and ever in his presence. Yeah, what I so, meant was a corrective to so a they, misunderstanding of that. Uh-huh, is what I uh-huh, meant, a corrective yeah. to people applying it almost the Buddhist way, you know, that if you're really, that's not what John the Baptist is talking about. As you've, that's why when we begin these, bring these verses together, well, talk about it. These two verses, what do you see and how they intersect? Well, well, that's why I I began by saying um, that people are going to think we plotted this because I think these two fit so easily. (laughs) You know, that John, John is saying, John is saying, let him increase let me decrease, um, and by this, what does he say about joy again? You, you read it. By this, oh, your joy. You mean John fifteen? Um, yeah. The reason no, I'm no, told- no, 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 in John three. Oh, in John three. Okay, in John three, he says right before that, he says, uh-huh. "Therefore, this joy of mine is now yeah. full." Okay, so he's saying, "Let him increase, let me decrease." Everybody's going to him. This is wonderful. In this, my joy is full. And then I turn around and I read a verse that says, "You, thou hast shown me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand, pleasures forevermore. And I, and I feel like John could have said that next. John could have said, he could have said, and by the way, very soon I'm going to have my head lopped off. And I will be where I want to be in the presence of God, where my joy will be full forevermore. You know, so I just see a beautiful fit. I, uh, what, do you, what do you think? I, re- I do too. It does remind me of a personal experience I had years ago, and you, and you probably relate to this in a way because you're also a, a musician, songwriter. Um, but when I was in seminary, back when I wrote a fair amount of music, <clears throat> I had written a song called We Are One in the Lord. Um, we give thanks and adore him. Uh, you know, there lies before him. We are one in the Lord. It was about calling for unity. Mm-hmm. And I'd written a song, and I'd performed it a number of times, and that was good. And it was always good when, when people would like the song or whatever. But there was a convocation at the seminary, and they had a, a, profess- a, a Christian singer who was fairly well-known came in. And he asked to sing the song. So I was playing the keyboard while he sang the song to the, mm-hmm. to the gathering. And there was a sense of joy. It, it wasn't about me. It was that God had, God had used me in writing that song that this person is moved by. Mm-hmm. And so moved mm-hmm. by it that he wants to proclaim it as his own. 
Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and there was just a sense of joy there. Again, it wasn't about me. It was about having been a part of this. And that's kind of what John's saying, that, you know, I was called to do this. I pointed him out. I told him he was mm-hmm. coming. And now he's here. And he, my joy is full. My joy is full. I realize it's come full round, full circle to, to what God has done in my life. And now he can say, he must increase. You know, it's almost a full statement of even more surrender to God. Whatever you want to do now, Lord, hey, everything I've had is yours anyway. Now it's all yours. Now it's all yours. This, this little exercise today, I mean, it, it, it makes me wonder whether whether we could do this with any passage in the Bible. <laughs> As long as you don't stick with, uh, what was that uh, verse, part C, that says it, oh, yeah. it was the sixth hour? <laughs> yeah, it was about but, um, the sixth hour. I'm not sure we'll, we'll get to that verse, but uh, what we'll do with that. But, um, <laughs> because, or may, maybe it's because the kind of verse that someone memorizes yeah. and keeps in their heart all along is going to be a central verse of the Bible. It's, it's going to proclaim it. But, and the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like your passage and my passage that the whole gospel is is, is in it, yeah. the the whole thing, and it, especially the life of grace and growth and holiness and what our lives are all about. I mean, you've got the you've got seeking our happiness, seeking happiness, and yeah. seeking joy, and I do right. It, it, it's it's all wrapped up there, you know, and it's and it's a good reminder for me as I sit here right now. I'm being reminded right now that it's better for him to to increase, you know. Better. Well, Ken, for me. Yeah. And our children and our wives and our grandkids. It it is. And and any little jealousies that might arise in our heart as we're tempted because we're not getting the attention we used to. No, no. My joy is full because of this wife, because of these children, because of their families, because of these grandkids, because of what I've seen the Lord do in my life. All this praise God, praise God, praise God. Yeah. And uh, that's what this simple little formula calls us to do, as well as tied with your verse back in Psalms uh, about uh, our joy being in him. So that's that's awesome. Ken, thanks for joining us. Thank that, you. It was that wonderful. Was, that was fun. we got to do it again. Those yeah. of you listening to us, I hope you enjoy these episodes. If you got any ideas of other ways we can use deep in Scripture, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Ken, maybe as we close, tell them a little bit about what, you and John Mark and Seth and Matt and, and the others are doing on the internet with the Coming Home Network ministry? Well, I guess I could put it like this. What 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 I have found, what, what we have found, is that there are a lot of resources out there, and there are a lot of great resources now, yeah. just tons of ways in which you can learn the faith, tons of ways to learn apologetics, tons of this or that. But but our ministry is encapsulated in the phrase, which I think is the sort of the, the mission statement on our website, that we exist to help others come to see the beauty and the truth of the Catholic faith and to make the journey home to the Catholic Church. And so what we have found is that when, when we're working with people who are attracted to the Catholic Church, they often already know about great resources, and what they really need is friendship. They really need connection with other people who understand what they're going through because often their families are opposing them. It's a difficult road. It can be a difficult road and they need connection. And so I'd say one of the main things that we're working on at the coming home network is to expand the ways in which um, converts can be connected together. 
And so expanding our online community so we can have just discussions and chat going all the time. Having things like deepens in scripture and deep in history. And this year we've expanded to having our first deep in history pilgrimage oh, yeah. where um, where 50 of us can travel together and spend a couple of weeks together talking, getting to know each other, building friendships. So um, yep. that's a, that, that I think is an important direction is trying to find out how to use the internet to help create more community for people. That's it. All right. Thanks, Ken. And thank you for all the work you do with us. We greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of Deep in Scripture. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. God bless you. Look forward to being with you again next week. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.